Welcome to episode 97 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Kevin Stokes. He's a musician playing in the band Danger Seekers. Kevin is also a strength athlete. Kevin tirelessly works away at swinging heavy maces, playing with movement and developing strength and mobility. In this episode, Kevin and I talk about his career as a musician, his strength and conditioning routine, and how these experiences have affected his general life. You can check out Kevin Stokes on Instagram at Kevin79Stokes and at Kevin Stokes Music. I'll be sure to leave the links to his social media in the show notes and check out his recent album on Spotify and Amazon, Still So Young by The Danger Seekers. Without any further ado, here's Kevin Stokes. Starts to pay 
weak brain Burning up my sense of shame I think I'll do it all the same It makes me sick that I love the pain Um, as a predominant form, like your main strength and conditioning, or is it like a tertiary thing, like a well, kind of a side? Yeah, it honestly, it kind of started out just as a side thing. It actually, I was um, primarily kind of a calisthenics guy when I got into that world because I had broken my arm um, because I'm really stubborn. I had a very short and ill-advised uh, stint as a competitive arm wrestler. Uh, if you can tell, oh. it did not go great. Yeah. <laughs> oh was, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I uh, managed to snap my own humerus uh, at a, in a, at a following a tournament there. So Wait, anyway. For, yeah. um, for being a competitive arm wrestler, were you like throwing all in on that? Did you have to do a lot of training to be competitive? It wasn't really that long. It was just a, a, a bar next uh, in town next to mine started hosting tournaments. And so I'd gotten sort of I was very briefly involved with it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah. I'll clarify. I use the term competitive loosely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> the, the irony was I had uh, amongst my other um sort of, you know, exercise things, workout disciplines and whatnot. So I like to just, you know, dabble and explore different things. Um, I had kind of always been on the fringe of like, I don't know, boxing for cardio kind of stuff, you know, hitting bag and doing speed rope and this and that, you know, but never really got in the ring. And I just got in a heavy bag and was starting to feel pretty confident because, you know, there's no one else in the room. And yeah. I was, <laughs> I was like, uh, man, I should like find a, find a, you know, a place to go spar with some people. But I'm, I'm, uh, my main profession is as a performer, as a musician. And I was working full time for a theater uh, then. And I was like, nah, I shouldn't do that. I'll get hurt. Arm wrestling sounds safe. Let's try that. <laughs> So, you know, that one's That's great. Pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, the, the the irony irony rules my life sometimes. But uh, yeah, the uh, so anyway, so I had I was kind of into the, you know some more advanced calisthenics. You know, single arm push was for my jam and stuff. Leading up into this break, you know, of course. Um, so then, following that, you know, on the road recovery, just you know, recovery takes time with a break that severe and stuff. So, um, and actually, my. Um, my friend and brother Logan, he had uh, Logan Barbarians' handle on IG. He had a uh, 
he is he was he continued arm wrestling and he's a very good competitive arm wrestler now um and he through that community has sort of stumbled on mace's sort of grip work and there you know some lat work and stuff involved and thing, things that are relevant to arm wrestlers um and so i'd kind of you know, we, uh, he introduced me to that and I picked it up as just sort of a therapeutic kind of, um, you know, side thing, something, something I could do while I waited for my body to to get back to where it was. When you say, uh, therapeutic, can you describe that a little more? Like in what yeah, ways yeah, yeah. was it relaxing or therapeutic for you? Um, well, the, 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 you know, the, the exercise itself, cause I, I tend to, I tend to train, um, pretty much just, you know, for any more traditional ish type sense. Um, and for, you know, for actual competition, um, which basically I train three things, the, uh, the 360, the 10 to two and single arm 360. And so it gets a lot of really good mobility work, um, for your shoulders. Uh, it's a you know, great warm up for the whole body, getting everything sort of awake and flowing and that sort of thing. So, you know, especially following an injury, it was really helpful and actually helped me to diagnose, um, some issues I've been having following the break. Um, they, they had to put in a, uh, plate and screws to cover it, it is i snapped it just just north of my right elbow mm-hmm. a few inches up there twisted it and snapped it um and i've been having and so you know i they had to do surgery to put the plate in on the tricep side and so i you know i understood that i that was the thing was like the longest to recover and it made sense to me obviously that any sort of pushing exercise was an issue for a while because you know that's what it does mm-hmm. um but then it was actually when I started having issues with it when I got into heavier weight swinging that um, and I just kind of had this mystery of like, why is why is that a problem? You know, and it made me think more anatomically about and I started learning about I started having some other grip issue, grip issues with um, trigger points and whatnot. And I thought about, you know, with the fact that, oh, well, there's probably a bunch of scar tissue back there <laughs> uh, from, the, from the surgery. And if things are tightening up in my forearm, well, it's tightening things up in the elbow, which, you know, it's just like sort of chain reaction. I was like, oh, OK. So, you know, it led me to some more, um, you know, sort of not permanent but obviously but like you know ways i can take care of myself so i can be more at full strength um you know moving forward so it's very it's been very the mace training is a very uh i think educational thing for mm-hmm. for people you know it, it helps to develop this kinesthetic awareness and uh, awareness in a lot of ways and i say in my particular case that was a, a big breakthrough that i had that was pretty much a direct result of uh, mace training mm-hmm. um And also I find it, um, very, uh, meditative, um, very, very meditative practice again, because I don't, because, because of what I practice, you know, essentially three different moves. Um, I really focus on trying to get efficient, Mm -hmm. um, and very, you know, just have very, try try to get my technique as clean and efficient as possible, which allows me to, you know, for competition, allows me to move, um, you know, as quickly as possible to score, to rack up as many points as I can. And also allows me to handle heavier weights. Um, and so the, just the, that sort of preparation, um, you know, I oftentimes, especially if I'm prepping for contest, I train to a metronome and yeah, so it helps me really hone in and break down what my body has to do in order to have total control of what's going on. Psychologically, what is it like when you, um, when you're doing like a, a really long routine and you know, you're following that you're finding yourself in rhythm. Like, is there, Oh yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yes, especially because, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a musician and I'm actually you know, uh, primarily a bassist, which means I'm part of the rhythm section. So I just find that, you know, I have that I already have that sort of uh, mentality of I like to find that groove, find that pocket and just stay there and chill, like mm-hmm. <laughs> be nice and calm and just, you know, be be totally in rhythm, be totally in tempo, totally in time. Um I find it's a very, that's a very relaxing place for me to be. You know, if, if I'm in the studio recording, I'm a fan of click tracks and things like that because it's just like I I can rely on it. I sit in that pocket and I'm good to go. Mm, yeah, and on a degree of effort for the for your training on average, like with the maces, right? Um, what percentage of effort are you applying? Like, is it fifty uh, percent of effort? 90% of effort. Cause when people look at it, like, you know, running is a, is a good example um, right. where people will say, wow, you run, you know, like 10 miles. Um, Cause when I run, it's re- really difficult to make it a mile for instance. And the, the thing that, that I often explain to people is that it's relative in the sense that you, you should be running at a modest, a moderate intensity for wherever you're at. It could be even like a very slow jog. Right. Right. Um, yeah and sustain that pace. And that's all that I'm doing. And I just, you know, I'm able to sustain a faster pace with that lower perceived intensity, but the perceived intensity doesn't change throughout my training. Uh, is that the same for you? Yeah, I, I, I switch. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, mace lifting is a very, it's a little different than, um, and, I, and I, th- I think it's kind of a weird thing for you to adjust to as well. Um, but sort of in, in, you know, in kind with things like long distance running and that sort of thing, um, you know, you do want to try and pay it, you know, especially in competitions about pacing and budgeting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even too, um, one of the big things that I sort of uh, preach on when I'm working with people and things I try to, you know, keep in mind in my own practice, uh, may swinging, especially the tended to, because, um, and just for, you know, explain for those listening who haven't uh, ever done this before or anything, um, you know, bringing the mace around and stopping at the, you know, tended to like the faces on a clock, the mace is stopping in front of me. Um, uh, but a very momentary pause, especially in competition, you don't want to waste any time. The competition format currently that we have here in the West is, um, five minute rounds, um, for however many swings you can get in with good form. Um, and so I, you know, I don't want to, don't want a complete stop. And so really what I'm saying is one reason I'm bringing that up is that you don't want to max effort hurl the thing, you know, mm-hmm. you got, you got to have a sensibility, you know, you can kind of, uh, have that sense of using its own inertia and because if you, if you put too much behind it, yeah, get it across. But then you might have to then, you know, best case scenario, you have to sort of tense up the pause, deposit and stop it. Worst case scenario, you lose control of it and it flies past you. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's about learn, you know, really working with it and learning to develop that sense of the appropriate amount of effort to put in the appropriate amount of power you need um, to to swing it effectively. I, I like to use the analogy of it's like if you ever drive, you know, driven a stick shift and you're coasting, you know, you're about to pull into your parking spots. And so, you you know, you as a, you know, that that's kind of like the apex part of the swing. If, you know, for attended to is that you want to give it just the right amount of boost to get it where it needs to be and land softly. You know, you don't want to you don't want to slam into the curb or have to slam on your brakes or anything. If you want to just say, you know, bring it in, bring it in nice and easy. Mm-hmm. And there's so much nuance for that. Um, right. I've witnessed it in like jujitsu where people can spend years working on what would seem like, you know, a four step process for a submission. But it's so much more complicated because 
you know, when you go to 10 and two, I imagine that you can perfect the redirection of the inertia ever so slightly every year. Uh, how long have you been training with the mace? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been, um, I think, let me think just about just a little over two years, I think is what I've been. Yeah. It should be about just over two years. I started in February a couple years ago. Uh, was the first, wait, that was the first, uh, you know, post post on the gram that I made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was, I think I was beating a dead tree with a sledgehammer, but you know, I'll count that as my first foray into this world. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, um, but no, I mean, and speaking of Instagram, uh, you're absolutely right. Because uh, recently, I remember last year, I made a what I thought to be a very hilarious April Fool's post, and you know, now we have this feature of arc, you know, looking back at the archives. And I remember thinking back then, because I'd already, I'd already had two competitions on my belt at this point, that I had a pretty decent swing. But even looking at that video, you know, then looking at my swing a year later, and there's a world of difference between where I was then and where I am now. Um, you know, and, and even, uh, you know, say six, you know, nine months ago, six months ago, looking back, you know, I, it's, it's very, it's kind of validating to me to see this, you know, progression in myself because it validates how much time I am putting into it that I, you know, that I, even if I don't day to day necessarily see an improvement, um, that it is in fact happening, you know, um, and I really, so that, you know, the, the, the focus I am putting into it, um, cause it, it's a part of my light may swinging is always a part of my daily mobility work, you know, not, um, not enough for a, a workout, but you know, enough uh, part of my sort of daily morning routine work, uh, wake up kind of thing, um, just to sort of carve that groove and keep it uh, keep it solid. Um, and so it's nice to see that that kind of stuff really does that that kind of um, focus pays off mm-hmm. in the long run. And it's th- that is very helpful because when I was younger and I didn't, I wasn't really good at anything. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I understand. Yes. Yeah. yeah spent my, spent my time kind of fucking off and, you know, yeah. Being, <laughs> oh, yeah. enjoying my youth. Um, yeah. I, I always had this like unnerving insecurity and I know it's like a personal thing, but for the people that can identify with that, yeah. when, yeah. when I did like notice incremental improvements, right. Or really, uh, incremental improvements that I didn't notice. And I look back over like a year of, you know, training in a given sport or skill mm-hmm. and, reflecting on that and seeing how far I've actually came, it's, uh, helped me work with that insecurity. And I think like through things, you kind of build your character out like confidence. I always thought confidence was just like a characteristic that someone had, but I didn't realize that confidence is something that you could like exercise and confidence would even be you, you know, going to a tournament and knowing that you're going to do well or do the best that you can because you you showed up every day that you're supposed to in training and like that just greases the groove. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I, I was like you, I mean, as a kid, um, especially like I grew up in a family of performers and stuff. So that's a big thing. Actually, well, one, one of my fans performers, the other side, um, were very athletic and I was not very athletic. Uh, I tried to be, um, but I was just not. <laughs> and part of that was, and even as a musician, you know, I had some natural talent and, but I think most of it came from just the fact that we performed a lot, you know, uh, in theater and church on the road, whatever, you know, just all these kind of, you know, I was, I'm the youngest, I'm the, uh, the baby of my family. So I was everyone's backup kind of thing growing up, you know? Um, so I just got, you know, got a lot of stage time, whether I wanted it or not. Um, and it was, so you just, again, that, that, that kind of served as my practice, but, um, you know, and into college as a musician, um, I, 
I also lacked confidence because I was surrounded by these, you know, incredibly talented people, people who had way more natural talent than I did. And it took longer than it should have, but it did finally set in, um, you know, just the nature of that. Okay. That just means I have to do more work than that person. That's Mm -hmm. fine. You know, it it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that I got to put more time in big whoop, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, just go do it, you know, you know, do it, do it or don't, you know, shit, yeah. get off the pot kind of stuff, you know? And, um, and I really think, uh, you know, and, and as a performer, that's kind of, you know, both as a performer and now as, as an athlete, both of the things have definitely clicked harder with me. And I'm, you know, makes me very excited, honestly, for what's, for the things I'm involved with now to sort of be armed with that knowledge and wisdom now of just getting in and doing the shit, you know, get, like you said, putting the time in and, um, and, put, and putting quality time into understanding that it's not just about mindlessly putting in hours, clocking hours, you know, that, that was another trap I fell into for a while. Um, especially as a musician of just mindlessly running drills without really putting any musicality or anything behind it and thinking, you know, you really got to put in quality, you know, quality practice, quality focus, um, uh, I was talking to uh, another um, uh, a mutual connection we have with uh, mm-hmm. uh, John the Viking Mauser. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, yeah. He and I were talking earlier today, and he mentioned something along the lines of uh, a quote he'd heard once about, you know, you can uh, if you do something, you know, work, work at something for a year uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you know, but you don't actually put the focus into to improve over that course of the year. You've just done one days of work, one day's worth of work for 365 days or something, you know, something like that. It was just, you know, that, the notion of, it's not just about, it's not purely about clocking time, but about clocking quality time. Um, which well, has tons of throw pillow tropes about that, about, you know, <laughs> practice makes perfection, uh, you know, uh, practice makes permanent, that kind of thing, you know, that, uh, all that kind of st- good stuff. What were some key moments that you identified that you were just kind of going through the motions in your drills, um, while you're acquiring skills. And, uh, also, what did you find most helpful in trying to change that behavior? Um, really, uh, and this actually applies both to um, my musicianship and um, my, my mace training. Uh, using a metronome was a really great way to uh, check myself and have some sort of accountability of like, oh, I, that wasn't as clean as I thought it was, you know, or, um, oh, that's not as steady as I thought it was. And sort of gives you this, you know, perfect barometer to check yourself against. Um, and also, um, any kind of recording, I think is a great thing in both worlds. Um, you know, people, I mean, we, we joke about, you know, when we're in the middle of a workout and someone's got to get a video for the gram, you know, like, I mean, we, yeah. we, we all joke about it, but we all, we also all do it. And I, but I think it's a good thing. I really do. Um, when I got into a couple of years ago, uh, because it, especially I often work out alone, um, and train alone, having that feedback is priceless, you know, being able to, ch- you know, I, it was, you know, even the point of I didn't, I didn't uh, start video myself until after my arm break. Um, and, you know, it occurs to me, I, I wish I had footage of myself prior to that, because I've always, you know, I still in the back of my mind can think back to, oh, I used to rock it out, sets, sets of 12, single arm pushups, no problem. You know, I mean, you know, longing for those days. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but were they actually good? Like, mm. was my form just probably terrible you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah was i just cheating the shit out of all of those and i thought they but i thought they were right because i did i couldn't see myself and didn't know any better you know <laughs> um so i think that kind of feedback is really a, a, a great thing in the world i i agree and it's interesting because our 
our memories are heavily influenced by our emotions and our opinions of ourselves, right? Like right. if you have a negative self-image, you, you perhaps might remember something in a really jaded way. Like, Oh, those were horrible. And, and it's just feeding off of your emotional bias. Or if you know, you, you like to patronize yourself, uh, in the other way, which is just like, Oh wow. Yeah. Those were the best without yeah. <laughs> any actual, like, I can yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, like, do you, do you, are you yeah. sure? Are you sure? Let's let, let, let's watch the tape, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And what I've been reading in um, in this book that's uh, training for rock climbing is they have you go through, there's like a uh, disassociated visual visualization and then an associative visualization. So disassociative is also when you record yourself because you don't have like, you're usually not looking at it for, with an emotional attachment. Um, you can look at it as if it were someone else and you're critiquing them. It's pretty easy. And it's the same when you try to visualize it. If you try to like visualize a scene where you're watching, you know, you um, swing the mace, do 10 and two, it's the same, similar to when you watch a video. Um, however, if you want to work on your, your emotional development, right. And like right. how you emotionally feel about yourself, it's, he was citing that it's good to use an associative um, visualization or trying to imagine the scenario from your perspective, how it felt all of the sensations um, to like solidify good emotions. But he made like a key distinction that for negative stuff, just completely stay away from it for the associative. Cause you do damage. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in, in music school, um, my, my degrees are actually in trumpet and voice. And we talked about a lot. It's, Oftentimes, especially, you know, when you're a college age and really at any age, but it's um, very diff. It's in instrumentalists tend to have some more success than vocalists because it's easier to be objective about the skill. Um, whereas, you know, with the vocalist, you're talking about something that is literally inside you. So it's a little, it's, it's hard not to take it personal when someone's like, well, that wasn't great. You know, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, even the reality is like, you know, okay. What, you know, what that transit to was, oh, you were flat and you think, oh, well, was my soft palate low? Was I this their sad day, their sad day, you know, was I, uh, was that, did I have too much tongue tension? And then, you know, but there's another part of going like, they said I was a terrible person. They hate me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I suck and I should hang you know, quit. It's like, it's like acting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just take everything, take everything to the heart, you know. And um, but so I think it's a good, you know, and that, that is definitely something I've worked on over the past few years. Um, again, getting back to what you know, to getting quality work of sort of separating and being having that third person looking at yourself objectively to say, you know, that wasn't, uh, to, and be able to make you know, critiques about yourself and improvements without getting in your head about it mm -hmm. and freaking and psyching yourself out, you know, especially leading up to a competition or a performance or what have you. Um, I think it's a very important sort of maturity to develop. Um, yeah, that, that helps sort of unlock <laughs> more doors and more, more ways to proceed forward. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why I love, um, an athletic endeavor or an athletic, like skill acquisition, because mm -hmm. I feel uh, like rock climbing it would be similar, but there's a variety of others, but where it forces you to see yourself in these scenarios. Cause if you were to, you know, just show up at a job, right. Or there's even certain kinds of, um, 
like even being an entrepreneur, I guess there's not a lot of things that require that, right. To right, be able yeah. to be competitive. And when you're competing with someone, um, you know, at a competition, like you are with maces, uh, running jujitsu, so on and so forth, you're competing against another human being who's, uh, right about the same level as you are, or right about at least the same weight. So it's, uh, a right. fair, you know, quality of opportunity. Balanced, yeah. Yeah. And it forces you to, to be, to assess yourself. Cause like I've seen people in a day to day life where, you know, uh, with, uh, without a sense of like meaning or, uh, introspection. And, and I feel like through like athletic endeavors, even by the support of your own community, I don't know how it is in like religious things. Cause I, I haven't mm-hmm. spent much time in a religious environment, but, um, you're like almost pushed to be introspective and to evaluate yourself, uh, and even beyond the sport to evaluate exactly who you are, whether it's like a disciplined individual or someone once again, who beats yourself up. Um, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, <laughs> that reminds me too, I recently, um, through, uh, my association with John, um, I started getting into some, some novice, uh, strongman stuff. And recently we had a really fun day at the gym, um, where we were just a bunch of us got together and it was sort of a, you know, get to try out strongman stuff. We had this gym with as the, you know, the random strongman gear and stuff, who's the fell stones and whatnot. And so I was there and I actually kind of, you know, uh, at, at the end of the day, was feeling pretty down about myself because I had, I mean, I just messed up being up to that, but also just I did not, didn't feel like I was keeping up with everybody. And then I kind of had to think back and like, well, I'm also the smallest guy there by like, <laughs> you know, at least 50 pounds, 100 for, for some of them, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite, you know, and these, so it's like, I probably shouldn't be quite so hard on myself in this case. <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly, wasn't exactly even playing, you know, um, it just, you know, I, I, I should look at this as, okay, well, that's still places I want to get to, you know, and, and areas to grow and focus on you know the things I did pick up and the things I did move successfully, rather than the th- you know the the weights I was not I was not able to throw around the way they were. You know, yeah, exactly. It's was, it was, it kind of a kind of there. You know, I, it's okay that I was outclassed by them. <laughs> yeah, so, you learn <laughs> you learn humility in that point, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, but you'd say and, and just to be okay with it. Yep, all right, all right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yes. This person who's twice my size can lift this thing better than me. Well, duh. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> So I felt when I uh, walked into a kid's jiu-jitsu class, uh, I was doing um, striking and this little girl, I think she was 10. She was like, (laughs) you want to grapple with me? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I was just helping out because my son was there. And then she choked me out like three times. <laughs> like, I was just like, what? I mean, I could have like, of course, like picked her up and tossed her across the room. But like, uh, yeah, other but- than, than that part, it was like, what? How did you do that? Like she yeah. outclassed me technically. And I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, okay, she's been training for, you know, years. And for me, I, I haven't even done any wrestling or anything like that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember uh, John and I both took a, um, uh, a Muay Thai seminar with uh, Ken Bigby and we were uh, I think it's his name Bigby's last name I maybe got the first name wrong but uh, anyway we were and there was a kid there who was a high school wrestler and first off we, and we were like you know uh, warming up and he was showing us how to shadow box and stuff like that it was amazing was watching this guy go around and like you know I could even though we weren't really going at it, I could tell like, cause he would like, you know, get in and be talking the whole time to the whole group. And then like, you know, give a couple taps and you know, and go to the next guy. And it was like, it was just so crazy to be like, wow, I have, I would have no hope to get yeah. this person at all. <laughs> like that's incredible. And then there was this high school wrestler there. Um, 
who was, you know, uh, he was about a buck 60. And the first time, and he ended up as my partner for one of the, uh, the throws you're practicing. And it was something that involved, you know, uh, grabbing from behind the neck and throwing them that way. And like, I was not ready for the ferocity of this kid who just oh, yeah. like took, took my ass to the mat. And I was like, Oh, all right. <laughs> Especially those wrestlers, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's just like, okay, it was not, Ooh, all right. It's going to stretch that out later. Great. <laughs> anyway, this, this, this kid had some tenacity. It was, it was pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. Oh yeah, I bet, man. (laughs) That's the problem that I had when I was starting jujitsu. It's common for, I live over in like in the West, Western Washington. Um, I guess a lot of kids grow up uh, wrestling in high school and stuff. And I guess that might be a lot in a lot of cities, but I never wrestled. So I'm a white belt and these other kids are, are, you know, young adults or white belts and they're just smashing me. And (laughs) I just feel like the most uncoordinated guy. And like three months in, I just, I asked my coach, I'm like, what, why do these people seem so much better than me? He's like, they've been wrestling for like four or five years. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot more experience. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said that you play music professionally. Um, right. what, what do you play? Uh, primarily bass guitar has been the main breadwinner. Um, after college, as I mentioned, my, my degrees are in trumpet and voice, but I mostly work as a bassist or a guitarist. Um, uh, my first uh, out of college, my first job was working um, for a Branson style theater um, here in my home state of West Virginia. Um, I worked there for about four seasons. Um, and then I sort of uh, just to pursue other things left and decided to go freelance. And I've been trying uh, to get into military bands. Currently, I'm actually waiting to hear back, uh, fingers crossed, about um, uh, an Air Force band position up in Pennsylvania with the Air National Guard up there. I, I, want, I passed the audition, won the job. It's just a matter of getting medical clearance and whatnot with, uh, you know, all, all the metal in my arm and stuff. But uh, anyway, um, so, yeah, so that's being a working bassist has been my, you know, and I've done some sessions here and there. Um that kind of thing. I, a lot of local bands will hire me as the call-in guy, hired gun kind of stuff. Playing a few bands. Um, I've got my own group. Um, What's it called? I, uh, Danger Seekers. Is our, Danger is my, Seekers. Danger Seekers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's tight. Yeah. Um, and then also have my uh, sort of solo career as a singer-songwriter. Um, got one album out, hoping to get a second one out before too long. What's um, the album called? Uh, it's called Still So Young. Available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that was that was that a cheap enough? Uh, that was perfect. It? Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, plugged it in so well the lights turned on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over to say just like that. Yes, <laughs> dude. So, so, what's your preferred um, pref- what's your preferred way to play music? Like. It, do you do you like it all? Is that why you have it so varied, or is it just like trying to find work? I'm interested because a lot of people out, a lot of people who don't have experience in um, unconventional fields, I suppose, and by that I mean just you know something you turn in a resume for nine to five. Um, but look at like music. Okay, you're either maybe it's just my crude way uh, growing up in the lack of exposure. But when you get into music, it's like, Oh, you're going to be, you know, releasing albums and number one bestseller. And that's what everyone's striving for. And that's the only way to, you know, financially do it or else you just get, you know, a day job. Yeah. What's it look like? Um, well, you know, that's, I mean that obviously, you know, 
I think everyone that picks up an instrument or sets up a microphone has that dream of becoming a rock star, you know, and stuff. And that is, you know, obviously a, a, a I would that that would be great. <laughs> I would I wouldn't <laughs> complain about that a bit. Um, but no, it's there's lots of ways to work. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, I did find a full time managed to find a full time job with a the theater, um, say their military bands, that sort of thing. And uh, to get, to back up a little bit, answer the question. Um, I like it all kind of for both reasons. Of one, I'm just a very diverse person uh, I find it very I don't know almost boring to railroad yourself in mm-hmm. like that to be, to be stuck with one you know sort of genre of music and stuff and I, find, I think it's true for a lot of for a lot of fields I think it's a good thing to be open-minded um, and it's uh, and also because I mean I also play several different instruments for the same for the same reason Um Oh, I just I have lots of interests. I like lots of styles of music, lots of different kinds of instruments, and and also I mean, I have made mostly gotten by professionally on the fact that I am so versatile because people know when they hire me, yeah, they may be hired for this one thing, but if something else pops in the set list that I can cover, then, you know, there's that too, especially in studio work. Um, on the album I mentioned, um, I recorded everything except the drum parts and as one female backup vocal, but everything else, all Dang. the guitars, bass, everything else, I tracked all that in. Wow. Um, did all the writing. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, uh, there, and, yeah, there are actually there are more uh, sort of job opportunities I think than people are aware of when it comes to performing arts and stuff. There are, I say, many avenues. I've worked as a pit musician um, for Equity House theaters and stuff, uh, which actually led to me working as an actor some as well. Oh, well, um, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I say it's just it's kind of you 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 know you hunt around and I mean it's it's definitely a you know a hustle and grind kind of thing, but you you find work you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's out there every you know every state has these little summer stock theaters you can work and stuff and I, and I do you know it full disclosure you know I also do have a day job that I work part time as a um, as a um, tutor for a community college oh, um, primarily cool. yeah primarily tutoring math and stuff um, but yeah it's just and I was actually the uh, the music appreciation adjunct faculty for a little while um, there as well but. Yeah, you know, um, and I sort of kind of been working my way into the training world <laughs> as well. Just, you know, finding, you know, finding different ways of making ends meet uh, kind of thing. But it's, that's, it's a, yeah, good. Oh, yeah. I was just saying that's what I was going to ask is like, how, how does um, mace training fit into that picture and also strength and conditioning as a whole? Well, it helps um, as far as mace specifically that right now it's kind of a unique thing you know um so it's kind of a, a little bit of a niche market and i happen to not suck at it so you know i've <laughs> uh, got, got a pretty good competition record so far and you know currently a, a world record on my belt and that kind of thing so oh, it's, really whoa yeah, well yeah the uh the, the the arnold classic this year um was the first time that uh, me and my friend brad um we expanded the sport actually and com- uh, previously they the competition classes were um, limited to 15 through 30 pounds. So in competition, you're you're broken up by mace weight, mm-hmm. um, and then they say the five minute round for points. And um, but he and I and some others have been pushing to kind of expand that. So this was the first contest um, with this organization, the American Kettlebell Alliance. Um, which is our governing body. Uh, this was the first contest that had um, 
35 pounds as an option because we forced the, because we uh, <laughs> were like, we're doing this. Yeah. And uh, so um, and I took first uh, at that competition. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's how that came about. So, uh, yeah. But as far as the other training stuff, too, um, training's always been an important part of my, well, not, I can't say always, I guess, but for the past couple of decades, um, when I was growing up, I was very heavy. Um, very, very pudgy little uh, obese uh, up through my teens, to be honest about it. And uh, at one point just decided that I'd had enough of that and decided to sort of get turned around on it. And then it's been it's been up and down, you know, uh, uh, sort of journey with fitness and health and stuff like that. And I finally, the past few years, decided to get properly educated, you know, get my give uh, get some seek out educated individuals such as John and really, uh, you know, start to learn more and, you know, and it's a continual process, you know, uh, always, always learning more and stuff. Um, and what, so working what, as a what was the yeah. change in your behavior. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, so, I mean, I, I, I was honestly just, I ate like, ate like total shits. I wasn't active. Um, and well, then I, yeah. I mean, when you're uh, transitioning and you decided to, you know, seek out people who, who oh, oh, do yeah. their shit, like, because people perceive people who don't do uh, exercise often would right. perceive exercise as a chore. And I've perceived exercise as a chore at once as well. I hated to run. Um, I, you know, I would look at like doing jumping jacks and I'd want it to end. Yeah. But then. For, for some reason for me, uh, at first I would push myself through it and recognize that it was a chore and, you know, tell myself, you know, eat your vegetables. It's good yeah. for you for exercise. Yeah. But the, there was a noticeable shift for me where I started getting curious just out of the blue, like, oh, that guy's doing a hand stall. That guy's doing a one handed hand. Stall. Yeah. Can yeah. I do that? And then yeah. like obsession starts to come out. And now for me, exercise, like there, there's days where I don't want to run. There's days where I don't want to do exercise. But overall, I get pretty high from it and I feel really good. And there's like a really good like character. It's just like, um, what is it? A self-fulfilling loop. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll back up a little more there. Um, when I first sort of started, um, yeah, it's really when I started focusing more on how I felt and that I realized I felt better after exercise kind of thing. That was a real switch. And even so when I, when I first started exercising, um, and I, you know, I started by my, since my primary goal was to lose weight. I just was not eating enough and running a whole bunch, which again, not advice, disclaimer, not advising that to anybody, but it was, I did not know any, you know, as a 17, as a dramatic 17 year old, I didn't know any better, you know? Um, so, uh, and then I actually, uh, you know, I, I started getting into weightlifting. Um, then I all of a sudden became with the idea of, became obsessed with the idea of strength. Um, and actually I started, when I first started weightlifting, um, I graduated high school in 2006, which was the year that Phil Fister won World's Strongest Man, who was a fellow West Virginian. And so that all of a sudden, like, Ooh. got me very interested in that. I was like, oh, it's so cool. You know, he was the first American to hold the title in like 24 years and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, he's one of us, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... In college, I got obsessed with heavy lifting. Unfortunately, while I had some some the help of some very of uh, some people when I was at home going to the gym, um, uh, one of which for those who know who 
uh, Tim Swords is down to Team Houston. His brother Greg was my homeroom and algebra two teacher. <laughs> uh, you wow. know, so, yeah, so he was my so uh, had some pretty good stock there to learn from. Um, unfortunately, he didn't you know follow me to college to help mm-hmm. continue helping. So. Uh, <laughs> I was just sort of stumbling on my own and just messing with weights that were way too heavy for me and being injured all the time and this stuff and putting, putting weight back on. Cause I started, you know, I stopped caring about, I, I stopped focusing on health and started just focusing purely on strength. And, you know, finally it wasn't until a few years in that I realized, Oh, Hey, look at that. Magically I'm obese again. How'd that happen? Um, <laughs> kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not really, you know, and then, and I was also when I really just decided to start, I'm like, I really need to step back and learn more. You know, I think, think about the long game, think about how my body's going to react to this stuff over the long haul. Um, and you know, and I, and I knew from, from my experience as a musician that the best way to, to learn stuff is just to find people who are better at it than you are, who know more than you and go talk to them, go, mm-hmm. go, you know, go jam with them, go, uh, go shoot the shit with them and just, you know, pick up stuff, you know, um, and also people who have seen me make these transitions from, you know, from fat to skinny to fat to skinny again, to sort of evened out where I am now. Um, I had been they would ask me oftentimes, you know, for advice and stuff, people who are wanting to make similar transitions in their life. And I was just kind of like, I don't really know. I say, you know, I know it worked for me. And so you know, I, I got my certification to the um, ISSA uh, two years ago mm-hmm. and Part of that was just I really decided I wanted some formal education to know to have to have a little more confidence in advice advice I was giving to people, you know, and being able to train from a little more educated perspective. And it's been great because it's helped me, um, you know, in my own pursuits and stuff. To I mean, education's a great thing. People, you know, it's it's uh, I think I fully believe that no matter what field you're talking about, everybody should be consistently seeking out more and more education. You know, it's just it's a it's a very very it's a, an important thing in all fields. Uh, I completely agree. Maybe I'm stretching it a little bit, but I would say that like just indulging in the learning process in general and sitting oh, yeah. in that boundary between order and chaos or what is known and what is not known. And like, that's the thing through athletics once again, but I've learned through pushing myself to, um, you know, to write and to make my own, my first kid's book or even going back to school nice. yeah. is like, you're, you're just over the long haul, you're training your mind and your body and it's just learning. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the things I, um, got from, I was, you know, I was very lucky to get the, uh, the, the college education that I got just, and one of the most important things I learned while I was there wasn't necessarily, you know, a textbook thing. It was learning. I learned how I learn. Mm-hmm. And that's a super valuable thing because now I know how to pro- how to progress and what what I need to do to learn to learn more stuff to to adapt you know and to you know teach myself and and whatnot um, you know uh, I, I learned some very again and and you know and that that ties in with the what I learned about how I have to practice the kind of time I have to put in the kind of focus I have to put in into quality practice you know it's uh, like with the mace it's better to get some good some really good solid sets in rather than just hurl it around for a prescribed number of reps uh and call it a day you know i really need to focus on like no i need to set to that metronome and I'm, am i getting am i hitting the pace i want to is it happening fluidly is it you know is, is that thing staying in the groove with my swing consistent that kind of stuff um and i think it's super important uh to your own progress is to to learn how you learn mm-hmm. I've learned that in jujitsu because I've shopped around at um, different jujitsu gyms, like for cross training and stuff. I have my home gym. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, every, a lot of instructors will teach differently. And I found with some instructors, like the way that they described information, broke it down and then plan their lessons would, um, would make it stick a lot better. And that showed me that there were different ways for me to approach learning a given technique. And it completely revolutionized the way that I um, learn and process new information. Oh yeah. Um, my, my trumpet professor at uh, the college I went to Austin brought us, they, uh, uh, he, one of the, I have massive amounts of respect for that man for you know, a million reasons. But one of the things I really always that from day one, from the first time I met him, that always blew me away about him as a teacher, as a professor, he kept, you know, these dossier notebooks on all of us. And he was always evolving his teaching style to customize how we, you know, to, to, to adapt to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we Whoa. were, we were, yeah, we were in no way being bottlenecked into, uh, um, a way of thinking, you know, he, he was always so cognizant and trying new things and going to conferences to learn other techniques and stuff and bring it back, you know, and this is a guy who, you know, he had his doctorate in performance from Eastman. He was a professional orchestral player for 18 years, you know, somebody Ooh. with, yeah, with tons of experience, you know, and clout, uh, you know, to go, to go with it, but mm-hmm. that never, you know, that was never a reason for him to stop learning. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's so. Uh, wow. I mean, I, I think that's true too. If you look at most, you know, people in the top of their game in anything, they they always have that attitude. You know, that's that. Uh, it's there's there's always something you can develop, always some room to grow, something new to explore. And uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's which I think is an awesome fact about life. You know, <laughs> and I think that's something that that I like to point out when you were talking about um, before your injury, you wanting to wishing that you could like have video of how you do those one arm pushups before. And yeah. you probably had like shitty form. Yeah. That's <laughs> what, what I, what I would key into is, is like, it sounds like what you're focusing on then is like just the feet of like, I can do these and this is yeah. awesome. And then after the fact you focus on not the result, but the process of right. like perfecting and feeling that that movement and that core tension the gluteal tension and what it is like to do a quality one-arm push-up and i would i would say that that is a substantial shift in your perspective um and it's it even goes in line with like you know you have retirement mindset and certain Mm -hmm. things where like you're i don't know um some ceo and you work I don't know, 10 hours a day, eight, yeah, 10 hours yeah. a day, six days a week. You're like, well, when I retire one day, um, it, you know, life will just be nice. I'll be able to relax from it all and everything. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Ferriss. Uh, that sounds familiar, but I don't, uh, not off the top of my head, no. He's like writes books on lifestyle design and okay. uh, on- entrepreneurship. But yeah, he talks about the people that he's interviewed, like, like Jeff Bezos, for instance, you know, okay. someone like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once they get into retirement, um, almost every time they're super unsatisfied because they're no longer stimulated. Because like when you're just like super driven and just, you know, deep in all these problems and so much stimulus going on. And then you go to the beach and, you know, you just have like, I don't know, some alcoholic drink. It's (laughs) like. The, this the, that's not life like life isn't I going to build into some paradise and um that's something to be said for your like what you're saying with your training and stuff is like it's not even about winning that competition like it might be immediately for you but the main thing is is enjoying the movement and trying to move yeah. well 
That's why every, every time I step on the platform, I think, you know, I'm not focused so much on, you know, on beating an opponent or anything like that, or, or, or even necessarily beating my previous score. You know, those are obviously, you know, goals of uh, on some level. But like, really, my focus is on I'm going to go up here and for five minutes, I'm going to swing really good swings that, that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have no counts. These are all going to be quality swings. You know, I'm going to be I'm going to display that I'm good at this. You know, I'm going to have that I have that kind of, you know, that that skill and. Yeah, you, you you mentioned also you know, long, you know longevity, and uh, I feel like as a, as a Mace swinger, I should mention uh, Mr. Mace Man Rick Brown, um, who's a you know a friend of mine now and stuff. Uh, one of the things that was so inspirational, he might kill me for saying, for saying this, but was actually the fact that well, one of the things that drew me to Mace training was that um, here's this guy who's you know uh, quite a bit my senior and he's better at this than me. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> so that gives me, you know, like, okay, so I can, this, this is something that I could get into and, you know, grow for a very long time in, you know, and spend a lot of time, uh, and be something that, you know, be, be a skill that I work on, you know, for, the, for uh, several years to come. And I think, you know, and that was kind of, that was very attractive to me about it. Um, just to have that sort of work to develop. Um, and you know, and then and the competitions are nice because these little short term short term goals and stuff. And it, and it did getting into competing did force me to really take hard looks and evaluations about my form and whatnot and say. And that's why I developed the metronome style of training and stuff like that. But you know, really, um, where where I'm at now is I just enjoy. Work. I, I enjoy growing my tendon too, both in terms of what, how long I'm able to go for, how quality the swing is, and you know how much weight I can handle. It's uh, it's it's a a really great discipline that I've I'm very, I'm very happy. It's a, it's a as big a part of life my life as it is. Mm-hmm. And what what drives you to continue to compete? Um, really, I just enjoy again the those. It's still. Uh, and, and, you know, they happen so frequently, but it is really nice. It's very exciting. You know, just have that, that something to look forward to um, a, a date on the calendar and a certain goal to reach. You know, I'll, I'll set a point goal for myself. I'm like, all right, well, this time I'm going to get to this, you know. Um, and so it, it does have and I, I, I do actually have a deep seated, very, very nasty competitive streak <laughs> um, in me that I, I, I rally against often. But it's, it's definitely still there. And so there is there is still a part of me that it does enjoy just competition for for competition's sake, you know, for that sort of testing. Um, I am. But, you know, I, I have matured way past when I was a kid, uh, I think. I hope <laughs> I, I think I have anyway yeah. uh, to where it's not so much. I don't. I guess I care about succeeding, but if someone bests me, then I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they did better than I did. That's, you know, that's great that they had a great day. You know, um, it's more about it. I'm, I'm more concerned with how I'm doing com- today compared to how I did yesterday. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I think we all, everyone going into competition has some sort of like resistance that they have to overcome aside from like the mere technical aspects of it. That's a pretty big undertaking, but the, um, the character aspects Mm -hmm. is like, for me, for instance, it's kind of the opposite, um, with specifically with jujitsu where it's like in MMA in general, when, when I would go into my competition, I would not be so invested in winning. They're mm-hmm. like, ah, you know, if I win, this is fine. If they win, you know, that's fine. I'm just going to go out there and do my best. Right. Yeah. And that kind of work would work in my disadvantage in some sense. Yeah. It was almost like downplaying it. And so now I try to approach every time that I go to compete uh, in that, 
in that arena, um, I'm always pushing against that where it's like, I'm going to do my best. I've worked, you know, um, harder than this person, or I've at least shown up every day and that's hard for me. And that's hard right. for them. And so yeah. me, by me doing this, I am going to work my technique on him. Um, and they will not be able to overcome it. Uh, so on and so forth, but I don't experience it in ultra running, but I think that's because I'm just trying to get to the finish line. I'm not really yeah. close to anyone. You're trying, you're, trying, you're trying to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've ran one half marathon in my life and I, I'm, I'm hoping to actually do one again this summer. Um, uh, and I did enjoy it, but it was, yeah, it was one of those. I'm like, I started the race and I'm like, my goal is to finish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm going to move for the next two hours or so. I'm just going to keep moving forward. That's my, that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to eat a whole lot of pizza afterwards. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that was, that's, <laughs> that's my whole relationship with running right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's where why i've just pushed the distance further and further out i'm doing my first 50 mile on may 11th and the whole reason behind that is is because i don't have to run faster i could just eat what i want and just not stop that's it (laughs) yep yep just keep just keep pressing forward yeah yeah (laughs) i feel it's also worth mentioning too here you know when it comes to my competitive mindset was you know the last time that i decided to go balls to the wall i'm gonna kill him mentality i ended up with a broken arm so (laughs) so you know i've my you know that 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 may have uh you know shifted my drive a little bit when it comes to 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 competing you know (laughs) about like maybe i should take a little more uh, let's take about 20% off the top there and <laughs> let's, you know, let's think about, let's think about some, some, some less aggressive goals here. Um, as you know, and it's kind of like, you know, my, my next contest, uh, is a team strongman event, you know, and yeah, I'm going to throw, I'm going to absolutely give, you know, train my best and give my all at the time, you know, but I think, but I, you know, I mean, we've seen it in strongman contest or, you know, strength contests and stuff that sometimes, you know, a real pro is to, you know, they press against it and you can tell it's going to move or it's not. And it's not, you know, especially if you've got, you know, that day there are six events, I'm in five of them. And if I got to move something and it's not going to move and I saw four events left in the day, I'm not going to throw my back out against that one thing, you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's sort of, you know, st- st- still thinking strategic, you know, keeping that sort of objective st- uh, strategic brain going <laughs> with that. Yeah. Uh, mm. In terms of strength and conditioning and training, how do you how do you spend your time training? Like um, like? My so generally it's I, I have a, a sort of a sort of a three day pattern that I repeat with a with a rest day. I do um, one day is sort of a leg and posterior chain with some pressing um, a day. So you know d- deadlifts, squats, kettlebell work, hard uh, side kettlebell work, and some overhead pressing. That's one day um the next and then i have um sort of just general upper body day um that right now so you know so right now especially trying to for strongman that first day is very or he's very much geared towards what i'm going to do at the the strongman event um at the appalachian team trials um uh, my shout out to my team go muscle puffs uh yeah muscle yeah. puffs <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we're all nerds and it's great and i love it i love these people um that so then awesome that would have jujitsu too. No worries. Yeah. 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 When John asked me if I wanted to be on the team, I was like, yeah. And uh, he, he's like, imagine the group chat. And he said, I hope you're like Harry Potter and it pops up. You've been at the muscle puffs. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. This is, this, <laughs> I'm this is it. <laughs> this is, this is my, I found my people. Um, so then the next day is sort of a general um, 
calisthenics based upper body work, lots of dips, pull ups. Um, I do a lot of work on suspension rings and that kind of thing. And that's more just to keep my body, you know, looking decent. That's more, that's, that, that workout's a little more uh, bodybuilding geared ish with the, the dips. Yeah, I say dips, dips, push-up variations, um, pull-ups, that kind of thing. But that—that's more about, um, you know, getting pumps, flushing my system, that sort of thing. And yeah, still, still keep you know, looking good on stage because I'm still a performer. You know, <laughs> so I gotta have a decent chest. You know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, like a little, a little You know. Um, <laughs> Guns out, guns out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then, uh, then after that, then, uh, then the third day is my heavy mace practice. That's my. That's where it's pretty much entirely, um, either ten to two, a combination of ten to twos and uh, single arm three sixty work. That's this you know heavy ten to two work right right now because I'm not training for contest. I'm focused on getting that weight up. Um, um, so I, you know, I'm working uh, slightly smaller sets and that sort of thing, really focusing on and, and taking what I'm learning as I'm training for strongman and, and, so, and applying that to swinging heavy, you know, focusing on, cause you know, prior to this, um, I was my, I was really focused on volume for mace training, which is an important aspect of mace training. I think in order to get the, uh, any sort of physiological effect out of it, you do, I mean, aside from just, you need to put in time to develop your technique. You, you also, if you want the, uh, the physical benefits of it, you, you just have to spend time doing it. You know, it's gotta be a, a fairly consistent practice as with any physical discipline, you know, uh, you can't, but you know, and saying the mace world, you can't just do like three sets of 10 and walk away and think that has the same effect as, you know, three sets of 10 on any other lift. Um, it's not, it's just not the same thing. Um, but you know, so I've taken a little more of a, um, a standard lifting approach just to growing what I'm able to handle on the top end. Um, and, you know, so doing lighter warm ups, you know, at 20 pounds, 25 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, and then whatever my top weight is right now, currently at 60 pounds, 60 um, pounds, yeah. Holy crap. getting that thing up there and, uh, you know, going to town on it. <laughs> and yeah, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm uh, about a buck 95 right now. So it's, it's, it's a pretty good percentage of my weight. That's 40 inches from my body. So yeah, oh, <laughs> it, yeah, that's it, awesome. gets, it gets interesting. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. I, I, I've had many people who have tried it or whatever, you know, they, they just seen a mace at a gym and picked it up and swung it around. They're like, yeah, it doesn't really do anything for me. I'm like, well, that's cause you haven't done what I do. <laughs> Like yeah, you exactly. You haven't gone to the point where it really starts to rock your world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how I feel about kettlebell juggling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same, um, same kind of thing. You know, it's and it's funny. I'll, I'll talk to some other, you know, stand, you know, uh, more traditional barbell lifters and stuff, and I can tell that as soon as I start mentioning the numbers, they just kind of gloss over and stop. They're, they're no longer interested. They're like, ah, you know, whatever. And I'm like, it's the numbers mean different things in these worlds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sixty pounds is very heavy in, in the mace world. Oh, yeah. Um, saying that, and then switching over to doing, um, some single arm 360 work, which is really great for, um, building up the shoulder girdle strength and, you know, just ability there and, and definitely grip strength with the same, with doing, you know, larger sets of single arm 360s. Um, and actually, I mean, too, if you get, uh, if you, you can take yourself to hypertrophy with it. And I mean, when I was training for the Arnold, I was doing, um, full competition sets at 40 pounds. So we're talking, um, a hundred 
10 to twos, which translates to 200 swings because of you know, one complete rep is one on each side. And a solid set of those at 40 pounds. And I mean, your whole body is rocked. Like it's ready. I mean, it was oh, yeah. um, Scott Sonnen in his book about club training called, you know, refers to it as functional hypertrophy. It's, I mean, it's, and which is, I think a really cool thing that you can achieve um, a very functional sort of hypertrophy uh, that, well, <laughs> let me use the word in a sentence again. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was listening. I'm on the East Coast. It's a little bit later here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ble- he's bleary eyed. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's you know, it's it's a it's a really good um, uh, aspect to add to your training to um, for that full body effect. Uh, you know, not, not sound too much like a late night infomercial, but you know, it is. <laughs> it, it really is a motion that involves your body from the ground up. Um, and that's what one of the many things that fascinates me about the mace is because um, given that you know, my athletic interests from like running to, uh, jujitsu, rock climbing. Right. And a lot mm-hmm. of people out there who, who do, who do participate in these sports. Like I'm always looking out for, for different ways to move weight, uh, yeah. and ways that I can manage inertia and, and use my whole body as opposed to these like, uh, isolation exercises. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a place for them. I don't want to just throw the baby out with the oh, bathwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But then again, though, like I look at, um, like, like cow calisthenic work um mm. and then combining calisthenics and kettlebells and it's like the the amount of time that i can spend and then in getting like that ath- or increasing my athletic ability it's you know hand over fist compared to when i was doing like isolations and stuff like that and just oh, working yeah. machines um and and yeah, last summer, um, and I'm excited to get back to uh, here as as we talk about you know, the weather breaking and stuff. Um, uh, heavy club steel club training um, has sort of helped, like the combination, the, the, the trifecta of hard stock kettlebells, uh, you know, the, the competitive mace swinging, and then training with um, doing mill variations and stuff with heavy steel clubs, has sort of, I mean, it's a really powerful trifecta because. Um, for one thing, you're working your posterior chain from several different angles. So you're getting a very complete sort of work at, on the back end because um, um, what you've seen about uh, with heavy steel clubs and stuff, but it's often sort of a lateral mill swing variation um, that I was actually reading a book today uh, uh, called Dynamite Deadlift, and I saw um, Pavel Tetzelin talk about um, a thing called a hockey deadlift, things we called it, where it's sort of this side to side deadlift with a kettlebell. And essentially that's the deadlift equivalent to one of my favorite motions with a, uh, um, a heavy steel club, which is the two handed mill. Um, and so I, I remember, you know, I'm, it's, it's one of those, I don't perform it indoors because there is so much torque involved and I've had, uh, and the, the gloves I have do have a, a slick finish on them. And so when that's, if that sucker decides to go, it's gone. <laughs> and it's, oh, a freaking, yeah. it's, it's just a rocket taking off and there's no, <laughs> you know, it's a juggernaut flying through the air. So I'm like, uh, so I, 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 it got put on the back burner for the winter. <laughs> when, yeah, oh yeah. So, uh, but I, I am very excited to, to add it back into, um, and I, you know, and I, I will say I, I was a, I was a wrestler for a few years in high school. I wasn't very good, but I was a wrestler. It happened. Yeah. It was a part of my, it was, it was a thing I did. Um, and I will say that, uh, like 
the heavy steel club stuff, especially the, the two mill in particular, um, when I was working on really growing it, like when I would finish those sets, like I felt like I'd been to wrestling practice, you know, you're talking about bang for your buck, like not, you know, this, oh, wow. yeah, this full body, uh, you know, feeling like I'd been tied up with somebody for a couple minutes. Like that was, it's, 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 it's not something you, you get from a set of curls. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so it's, you know, it, 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 you know, it definitely depends on what your goals are as an athlete and stuff. Um, you know, I'm not going to, not going to knock any other form. Certainly. Um, I just find that this stuff really meets my personal goals, uh, for health, fitness, and athleticism. Have you ever heard of someone called summer Huntington? Summer Huntington. I don't, that name does not ring a bell. She's doing um, steel maces and yoga. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it. it's really cool because I'm finding like um, with one of my friends, uh, Sam Escobar, and then my yeah, yeah, yeah. other friend and like Bud Jeffries too. You see like these very yeah. un- well, you think unconventional ways to to achieve a similar thing, which is uh, fitness, right? Right. But doing so in, in a way that that's like engaging and fun mm-hmm. and, and like almost like you're playing. And that's something that I've come to find with like uh, kettlebell juggling, um, also doing like uh, gymnastics, calisthenics, stuff like yeah. that. It's it's more like like I'm at a playground at that point. And I notice when I'm engaged at that level, like I said, it it's about the perceiving it as a chore. Um, it helps switch that gauge to where it's like, okay, there are some things that, that are just fun for the sake of being fun. And if I can integrate that and if the person out there listening could integrate that in their training, like in my experience and it, it just boosts my productivity and my likelihood to be consistent. Yeah. Well, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. It's got to, you got to find something that you definitely are interested in, interested in continuing and interested in growing in that you don't just want to keep doing the same thing over and over again that you want to progress in and, uh, and yeah, it's like, yeah, have fun with, um, and so, yeah, and that's where I really found like for me personally in my style of mace training has been, um, cause I, cause I know, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, uh, you know, view it as uninteresting because, but you know, with my people like my mentality, and I think part of this does come from being a musician, is that I love the process of really breaking down a movement and analyzing it, and you know, sort of you know, ironing out to be the best that it absolutely can be, and finding different ways to tweak it, and this and that, you know. Um, so I, I I appreciate that level of nuance um, and technicality in it. Like it's and then, then that triggers the nerd inside of me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to really, to really like that 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 breakdown of it. Um, yeah. Uh, is there anywhere that people can check your stuff out, Kevin? Um, they, my Instagram account right now is the best place for um, May stuff, especially. Uh, my handles um, Kevin Seven Nine Stokes, number seventy nine, um, and. Uh, yeah, that's that right now. That's the only social media that I've got. And, uh, my, um, May stuff on, um, I am teaching, if you're, you're in West Virginia, I am teaching a seminar on the 27th, Ooh. um, uh, location to be announced, but mm-hmm. there, there'll be information up on that on, about that on the, uh, on my Instagram. <clears throat> also, I do have a, uh, a music Instagram, Kevin Stokes music, which I will 
I also post about on that other Instagram, so you find it there too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Ooh, Facebook yeah. account that goes with that stuff. Yeah, and there, uh, both and my my band Danger Seeker shows up there as well. So um, if you're interested in any of that, uh, yeah, and Instagram is the best place to reach me. And I'm always happy uh, people who have questions about uh, mace and stuff and training. Like uh, you know, feel free to absolutely uh, drop me drop me a line, um, contact me on there. It's really no big no trouble at all for me to answer a few questions here and there and stuff. Um, happy to say it's something that's really been rewarding in my life and I like to give back to things that are important to me. So, um, you know, anybody who has, has questions about it, feel free to hit me up. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kevin. And I'll be sure yeah. to leave all the links to your uh, Instagram, uh, both your Instagram accounts and your music in the show notes for everyone to Sweet. check out. Yeah. Appreciate that, man. Sweet. Great. Thanks, man. I appreciate right, it. Nice. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Woo! I really liked getting to talk with Kevin. It was interesting what life events moved him to train with the Maces and what he's able to learn about his whole life from training with Maces. Anyways, I have, I'm about to buy a mace and I'm excited to get after it. I've been working with these steel clubs for a while and yeah, it's just fun. I love being able to move within my body and just play. And it's cool to be able to meet people who like the same thing. If you would like to check out Kevin Stokes on Instagram, you can find him at Kevin79Stokes and at Kevin Stokes Music. You can check out his recent album, Still So Young by The Danger Seekers. And the music on this podcast was brought to you by the Danger Seekers. It's called Midnight Urges. All right. Till next week, y'all. Thanks.